Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Really nice Dharma talk outside this morning. If you're interested, <laughs> maybe later. Um, and welcome to our Zoom friends too. I hope you are also able to enjoy some bird song and spring where you are. Uh, I want to start with an acknowledgement to this land, uh, in particular. Uh, to the Dakota people whose land this was, and the Anishinaabe people who also lived uh, nearby. And I also want to acknowledge uh, this. Uh, we're also sitting on what was the Rondo neighborhood and still is the Rondo neighborhood in a, in a way. Uh, and we sit on top of all of that history and, and struggle. I wanted to uh, address that uh, one time someone said, well, we always say the land was stolen, but we never give it back. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to let you know, uh, the Indian Land Tenure Foundation is working to give it back. And so if you want to check that out, uh, it's a wonderful organization that actually helps uh, Native people reclaim their lands. And also, I wanted to let you know about Reconnect Rondo which is an organization that says together we'll build a bridge to better. So you may have heard about the land bridge proposed over 94, which split the neighborhood. And they say, when enough is clearly enough, when it's past time to make up for past mistakes, when the movement is to repair, restore, and revitalize, sheer strength of shared action is needed. So may it be so. So last night, many of us were here for a wonderful occasion, which was the ordination of our Dharma brother, Hokan. Attending an ordination is a way for uh, people that have already received the precepts and made, uh, made those big vows to feel supported and renewed. And it's also an inspiration for people maybe that have it. Everyone benefits. So sometimes when you're the person in one of those ceremonies, you have an idea that it's uh, your ceremony or it's about you, or you're doing something for your own benefit. And sometimes when you're watching, you think it's about that person, um, but it's really not like that. And usually during the uh, ceremony, I always feel there's a point where you can tell that's not really what's going on. And I really felt that last night. You could tell, oh, it's not about Hoka. In fact, Mio On, who is doing the ordination, actually said that very clearly, but you could, you could feel in the room, oh, it's all beings together uh, participating in vow. And um, these ceremonies that we do, I always think of, uh, like we're enacting the truth of the ultimate uh, in the historical dimension. So these ceremonies help us embody uh, both the mundane and sacred, or both the historical and the ultimate. And human beings have done ceremony and ritual for a really long time. It's kind of part of our humanness. And I'm really happy that we have these occasions where we get to enact that at clubs. 
in tiny ways, like just making an offering or just bowing, and also, you know, more complicated ways, uh, like Hokan's ordination. My uh, way name is Seikai, which means vow ocean. Because our vow is deep and wide. It's limitless, the way an ocean appears when we're on the shore. The surface changes and lots of things happen, like ships and fish and weather and plastic trash and jet skis. I don't know, whatever happens on oceans, right? But the ocean is huge and just present in its oceanness. And that's a pretty good metaphor for vow. It's like that. Things happen, but vow is just like the ocean. So I uh, received lay ordination in 1997 in a brand new sangha. And I remember we were studying the book for a future to be possible, about the five mindfulness trainings, which are their, that tradition's version of precepts. And um, I think they were still called the five mindfulness precepts even, but people didn't like the word precepts, so they changed it. But anyway, so we're about halfway through the book, and I just had this idea. I was like, I wonder, like, I really wanna, I want I want these in my life somehow. And I had a meeting with our teacher, Joan, and I said, is there some way to like, receive these like precepts or like recite them or, you know, something like that. And she kind of looked at me and she said, well, actually, so um, I, I really had, I mean, clueless, right? No idea. And so um, she said, well, clouds and water is sewing. It was so these, you know, rock suits. Uh, would you like to go sew with them? I was like, okay. So I wandered into the basement of the first Unitarian church. I don't know if it was the first group, second group. It was early on for them too. And, you know, Tamoy Sun. Uh, Tamori Katagiri was teaching, and uh, I just started sewing. So then I finished sewing. Then I called up Joan. I'm like, well, now what? <laughs> She's like, okay. So, you know, I was very eager, so I sewed really quick, you know, about six weeks I had it done. I was like, now, now what? She said, well, uh, now we have to do a ceremony, but it's going to take, you know, a while. <laughs> so I had to wait a few months. And... Um, in the meantime, Sosan was ordained as a priest and two other women at Clouds. So I went to that, so I had a little more idea like what this is about. And then um, my saga all learned to chant the Heart Sutra. Nobody knew it. We hadn't been doing those things. We were just sitting in a circle and practicing. So we all learned the Heart Sutra and then there it was. Um, and, you know, looking back, I think that was like the best because I had no idea and we don't have any idea what we're doing, really, when we enter these things. I was thinking this morning, it's a little like, um, you know, when you get married or when you start a new job or when you move to a new place, you, you don't have, there's this sort of leap, 
there's just a little leap, right? Because you really don't know. And uh, I feel like uh, receiving the precepts, making these vows, it's a leap. We don't know. We don't know. What is that going to wake up in our lives? How are we going to change? What's it going to be like? We have no idea. And that's great. <laughs> because if we have an idea sometimes, then, um, you know, when I have an idea about something, then I'm measuring everything against that, right? It falls short, it, you know, there's always that going on. But when I don't know, then it just is what it is. And that's, uh, when I received Dukai, it really felt that way. Like, it just was what it was. I didn't have any idea, so I wasn't disappointed in any way. <laughs> And I also wasn't inflated in any way because I wasn't thinking, oh, this was so much better than that other one I saw. <laughs> the flowers were prettier. I don't know. Um, so that's really great, I think, uh, if we can cultivate that kind of freshness in mind. We just don't know. We don't know. So I felt that last night, I think partly because of, you know, Hokan's health situation or whatever, but we don't know. You can really feel that don't know. We don't know. We just go forward. Another thing I wanted to um, touch on is how central the precepts are to Zen Buddhism and this vow. So uh, you can do a Jukai, of course, and receive the precepts, and then uh, in, when you're ordained as a priest or a um, lay Dharma teacher, guess what you do? You receive the precepts. And then if you participate in the ceremony of Dharma transmission, guess what the first ceremony of that is? You receive the precepts. You don't grad, it's like you graduate, like, oh, okay, I did that, now I've got some advanced thing I'm going to do, you know? You just keep doing over and over the same, uh, which I think is really wonderful. So a lot of times, um, I think when people in the West who are, especially converts, think of Zen Buddhism, they think of meditation. And that's fair, because we meditate a lot. But I've taught a lot of our intro programs, and I can't think of a single person. I always ask, like, why are you here? <laughs> like, why did you, why are you spending your Wednesday night or Saturday morning or whatever? And um, not a single person has ever said, because I want to be kinder, because I want to be more generous. Like, their reasons have all been great. I can't think of a person where I thought, oh, that's not a good reason for being here. But it's not, it's not that. You know, it's usually, oh, I want to meditate, or I want to feel calmer, or I've read a lot about Buddhism, I want to learn more. And that's lovely, but um, I, I don't think anyone's ever said. I myself did not come to Buddhism. I came because I was suffering. I wanted to suffer less. That was kind of it. Like I said, I didn't even know precepts were a thing. But they are. They're kind of the only, they're kind of the whole thing, really. So the um, great thing about receiving the precepts is there's only one prerequisite, and it's being a human being. Uh, so we all have that covered. 
Um, you don't have to be anyone special. You don't have to do anything special. You just as a human being, you can make that vow to do good, refrain from evil, free all beings. You just have to be human. And it's so beautiful, even though it's so ordinary, it's also so beautiful when a particular human being decides to follow this particular spiritual path wholeheartedly and stand before their community and friends to state this intention. So that's why ordination ceremonies or Jukai ceremonies are so beautiful. So they're special and they're just ordinary. So when we take vows in Zen, what exactly are we vowing? So there's, there's some different parts I wanted to say a couple things about. So one um, important thing that we uh, receive is the three refuges. And when you hear them, you might think, well, that's not a vow. It's not a precept. But it's so important because uh, without refuge and protection, we can't keep the vows that we make. We can't live into them. And in a world that uh, it's a little challenging, I have noticed, uh, to try to live as an upright person, maybe you've noticed too. Um, sometimes maybe those seeds weren't watered very deeply in us when we were young. Uh, or maybe we're in conditions that just make it kind of hard. Um, so we need a refuge to create our own stability, to practice the precepts. So we take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows us the way in this life, the Dharma, the way of understanding and compassion, and the Sangha, the community that lives in harmony and awareness. So that sounds really good. How do we do this, actually? Um, so I'll just share how I do this actually, in case it's helpful. And then there'll be time for all of us to share too. Um, so every morning I chant the three refuges, even if I don't sit zazen, even if I don't brush my teeth practically, I chant, I chant the three refuges. It's uh, just a way to shelter my vows through the day. And when I feel myself stumble, I really return to those refuges. I remember my Buddha nature. I reflect on the Dharma and I rely on Sangha to help me. So Sangha can be large. Teachings can be large. Buddha nature is vast. So it shows they show up in different ways. But by starting my day that way, it's like uh, sitting in that from the moment of waking. So um, one night last week, I was, I was feeling pretty crabby. And I may perhaps have been crabby to my lovely wife. Um, and it's, it's possible, uh, I'm not saying, but it's possible that um, I huffed upstairs to bed without saying goodnight. 
because I was crabby. And uh, then when I got upstairs, <laughs> the little little bell went on, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I actually took some vows to maybe not behave like this." Um, and I thought, "Oh, I'm just so crabby, though." So I thought, "I'm just going to read a little bit of Dharma." You know, I have a, usually have a book or two that I'm, you know, sort of close to. So the book I was reading didn't have anything special about um, being crabby. <laughs> At one spot, <laughs> but after a few minutes of just, I was reading about a koan. It doesn't even matter which one. I won't tell you because then we'll get all up in that koan. But after just a few minutes of like reading about this koan and reading this commentary, I felt something in my heart just sort of go. Oh. So I went back downstairs. I apologized. So I'm really sorry. I said good night. So for me, that's just an ordinary, simple example of like taking refuge. And because I plant those refuges in my heart, I have half a chance of maybe remembering <laughs> how do I want to live? How do I want to be? Can I take refuge? In this case, really using the Dharma as a support. Also, um, Paisan's here today, which is, I'm always so happy when he's with us because he doesn't live in other Twin Cities, for those of you that don't know. But um, Ty and I, I think, have a really good practice. Like, we'll call each other if we're struggling, right, with something uh, like an ethical or we feel like we've behaved maybe not so skillfully. I know we've both done this. Because I, oh. <laughs> you have a minute, this is what happened, this is what I said, and then the other person can say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so that's sangha, right? It can be one person to just say, like, check it out. And I know that Ty will not judge me, and Ty knows I won't judge him, you know, really, I won't. And, and so then we, ha we can be that for each other, right? and help each other with our vows. So, so there's a lot of ways, I think, that um, this isn't abstract, this taking refuge. It's real. It's daily. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that's part of our practice. It really is a refuge. So, uh, also, I do want to mention uh, meditation, although I did say, you know, precepts are like the heart of everything in this practice, which I really believe, but uh, the reason that I remembered as I walked upstairs, oh yeah, I don't want to be that way, or I noticed my own crabbiness, or I think, oh yeah, you know what, I could call my friend Ty up and have a little confession of repentance on the phone, because Meditation helps us um, learn to be aware of what's going on. I can't change it if I can't see it. I can't face the truth about myself if I haven't learned to sit with discomfort. And I can't face the truth if I haven't cultivated equanimity and steadiness. It's too much. I can't stand it. You know? And so then instead of being able to take care of the circumstance, to remember to take refuge, to start over, I'm just kind of um, either unaware or sort of uh, in like a spiral of shame and guilt and badness, 
But through meditation, I've learned, like, I can just sit with whatever it is. I'm actually not going to die if I feel upset or bad or shameful or unhappy. I can just be present with that. So that's a huge part of these ceremonies uh, is taking refuge. And then after that, uh, that's not, there's more. <laughs> that's so great. Um, we get to follow the three great pure precepts. So these, I like to think of these as like uh, the shorthand checklist. Uh, and I, I appreciate them because I can remember them because they're easy to remember because they're short. So the three pure precepts basically are to do good, refrain from doing harm, and embrace and sustain all beings. Sometimes we say save all beings, serve all beings, free all beings. So you might think, well, that's kind of vague. Everyone maybe wants to do good, but uh, I think it's been really helpful for me to just not limit myself. A lot of times I think to myself, well, I can do a little good, you know, that's about all I can manage maybe today. Maybe I could just try to be like friendly to my coworkers. <laughs> okay. Or, you know, try to drive in a way where I'm not, um, thinking angry thoughts about the big truck that just blasted by me. Um, you know, okay. And so uh, these great pure precepts help me remember that I'm so much more than I know. So much. Because I'm not, I'm this and I'm everything. So I like them that way as a help to us because they're so big, because they're kind of impossible. Um, it keeps me from limiting myself and having an idea that I'm only this much. And sometimes uh, when I feel sort of unsure or uh, overwhelmed, I just say these to myself, do good, refrain from doing harm, embrace and sustain all beings. Like, hello, 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 <laughs> don't forget. And it helps. It helps. I can't, I mean, I like to be practical in my talks, uh, but now I'm in kind of a realm where I can't exactly explain how that works for me, but it does. And I think maybe it's that idea of, of not being so limited. For just a breath, can I not limit myself and what are, my capacity is? And I would say collectively, that is also true. So yesterday morning, another beautiful ceremony happened um, where some white people in this saga got together and decided to address um, some of our karmic conditions of white supremacy and, and racism uh, through ceremony and um, ritual a little bit with each other. And um, that was a, a similar thing where I could really feel sometimes how can we even dare to challenge how the world is in that respect? It's so vast and so endless and bottomlessly 
awful. But <laughs> do good, refrain from doing harm, embrace and sustain all beings. It's right there. So uh, can we collectively be more than we think we can be? Yes, I, I think we can, even though I don't really even understand that way forward. I can put myself in that just like we make these vows. So there's more, <laughs> there's more. Uh, so then we have the 10 uh, prohibitory precepts, which are supposed to be um, right here in my folder. Um, so Kai, <laughs> could you get me a chat book, please? Uh, because I do want to say these out loud again, because um, for all that I've just said about vastness, we live in bodies and we live with each other and also specifics are very helpful. So we have those two, um, and they're vows. They're not a checklist. Um, they're really about intention and practice. And each of these precepts, if you've had the opportunity to spend some time exploring them, are their own deep, deep Dharma teaching. Uh, I can find it if you okay. just give me the book. Or else I'll just read something else. <laughs> because. <laughs> Kind of nothing in this book that isn't beneficial, so that's all good. Um, but I believe that we have a precepts recitation ceremony here. So I'm just going to read these. There, there's 10. So recognizing I'm not separate from all that is, I take up the way of non-killing. Being satisfied with what I have, I take up the way of non-stealing. Actually, that's my next Dharma talk, that one, because I've been thinking on that a lot. Encountering all creations with respect and dignity, I take up the way of not misusing sexuality. Listening and speaking from the heart, I take up the way of not speaking falsely. Cultivating a mind that sees clearly, I take up the way of not being deluded and not giving or taking intoxicants unconditionally accepting what each moment has to offer, I take up the way of not talking about others' errors and faults, speaking what I perceive to be the truth without guilt or blame. I take up the way of not elevating oneself and blaming others. Using all the ingredients of my life, I take up the way of not being stingy in the bestowal of the Dharma or material things. Transforming suffering into wisdom, I take up the way of not indulging in anger. Honoring my life as an instrument of peacemaking, I take up the way of not thinking ill of the three treasures. And living in that way is something that I think we can all really embrace. So we practice with those vows with intention as well as practice. And I just want to say, you know, intention, having an intention to not harm doesn't mean that we don't harm, right? Intention is, is only half of the equation. It's also practice. We have to water our intentions if we're going to be willing to do what it takes to change. So that's why we have to practice the precepts, just like we practice meditation. We learn, we stumble, we get up, 
We try again. It's just like Zazen. So I wanted to end with actually the first thing that happens uh, in these ceremonies of receiving precepts or remembering the precepts. And um, some of you are probably wondering why I skipped it, uh, but it's because I wanted to end with this. And this is the other thing that I try to say every single morning. Um, and it's the practice of repentance. All my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born of my body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. It's admitting I fall down and understanding the causes and conditions that lead to that. It's taking responsibility and standing square in the middle of my karma, my personal actions, our collective actions, the actions of my ancestors, the fact we're sitting here in a place we're currently calling St. Paul, but wasn't at one time. It's all those things. And I have nothing else to say about that. So I don't have any idea about what's going to happen when I die because I haven't experienced death yet. But I do think if anything continues, I imagine it's foul. And when I first received the precepts, I understood I was entering something that was ongoing and continuous. And that when I'm no longer in this form, the stream of practice and vows continues just the same. It's really a joy to try to live my life in this way. And I hope it's a joy for all of you. So thank you very much for receiving this talk. And um, we have time to share with each other some of our practice, um, uh, precept keeping and thank you. And uh, whatever else you'd like to share. I think you could um, um, write your first book. What one does, what one can do when they're crabby. <laughs> In the Buddhist journal, Buddhist dialogue. That's your first book, Diane. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. So this wonderful Buddha was uh, I don't know if you were quite there at the at the very start, but you were part of that little sitting group that uh, turned. No, in. I I remember very well here. Um, Jukai, yeah. yes, I do. I yeah. was going, what is this? What is I know, this? right? What, what is going on? And Not just, only did I have no idea, but nobody had any idea. I know it was great. And we had to bring in people to be Doan and do things because we didn't know. And then the next were those three 
lovely woman that, you know, I'm associated with. And again, I was like, really? Wow. But there, here you are. Look, you got, I know it's you got the bell bar. That's great. Thank you so much. Mm. <laughs> If I close my eyes, I can't see you if you raise your hand. Rin? <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you so much. I'm going to try to grab some trains of thought. Their, their talk was very rich of different, like, really hit home. So thank you. I was, as you were um, talking, I and, like, when you were kind of making amends or being crabby, I was like, oh, yeah, I've done that a lot this year. <laughs> um, but but there's that sense of, right, we have these precepts, we have these intentions, like you were saying, and then it's like, yep, reality. And for me, I also use short slogans that I've picked up, either Buddhist realms or other realms, that help me, like, open that door, as you were saying. And then when I can come back from that place then that wholehearted action it's like oh yeah and so it's just really reminding me of like so much of this practice is all about cultivating that diligence and meditation being so integral to that so like thank you very much for that wonderful reminder yeah we have to help ourselves and each other out because it's hard <laughs> and we have a lot of conditioning to not be maybe the our aspiration right so so yeah the slogans things that remind us however that works for you reminding each other is really really important you know intention is essential and so is practice not so we can get better though it's not like that it's just like yeah so i i wanted you to talk about that so, because I'm curious about, so I heard someplace like you're not a self improvement project, like, you know, somebody in, in reference to Zen. And, and because, like, we are that, I mean, I know that intellectually, but I, I mean, if you can just address that, I think it may be something to something that when we do Zazen, especially in session, but when, when I do Zazen, I feel like I touch that ultimate reality where I go just for a millisecond, maybe I have a half of a belief, oh, maybe I am that, maybe I am kind of a Buddha, maybe a baby Buddha. I mean, like, but but the feeling of, because I came here, I did actually come here because I wanted to be kinder. I did, but I said it um, in a different way. <laughs> I wanted to quit being such a jerk. <laughs> so, but I think that would be, I would great. fall under the category yeah, of, I want to be kinder, right? Yeah, I so, I, so, so I was kind of my own self-improvement project for quite some time. Um, so I just want to I, I, see what you have to say about that. When you talk, what comes to me is the metaphor of ocean again. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we have to take care of the surface of the ocean like the garbage, you know? We have to clean that up, man. We don't want that there. Yeah, and and when we do something harmful, we have to make amends the best we can. Like, Saturday morning, I mean, how we do, like, how could I sit in a circle and make amends for racism? Like, really? But we have to, like, we have to take a start somewhere on that huge garbage pile in the ocean. But the ocean is like underneath the vast, vast, 
deep, endless, boundless. You can't separate that out either. They're just right together, I think, in our practice. So I don't know if that's, that helps me. That helps me a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> so as you were speaking and you were discussing this in the context of the ordination, which I, I appreciate because you know, we do uh, priests wear these robes and you have a different color, Rakasu, and, and so there's concern about a hierarchy. And I, I appreciated this clarification maybe or just add this to your thinking is that what we're doing is just taking the precepts again, but saying, really, really, <laughs> really, really, we're going to do it, you know, and I want to do it for this community, you know, and, and that kind of commitment. And so that, you know, it, it's really situational if you're able to do that or want to do that. Yeah. It's just still the same thing everybody else is saying. Yes, yeah. thank you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, and... Um, I think I've spoken about this before, and Sosan has, but uh, Bushin and um, Sosan and I and Mia On uh, attended uh, last fall a ceremony in Los Angeles, a five-day precept ceremony, if you can imagine. Uh, you should imagine, because it was <laughs> awesome. Um, and uh, called the Jukai A, and uh, that really helped me just internalize that exactly what you said, like that ceremony, anyone can come and everyone receives the precepts. And not only that, but like part of the ceremony is like Dharma transmission. Like it's just there for everyone, everyone um, that came. And I, it just, uh, there was this sort of a generosity and sense of um, what I said about, you just have to be a human being. And they're really, uh, some of us are in a circumstance where for whatever reason we feel called to continue in a more particular or formal way, but it's not any different than just hearing me read these. Everyone that heard that, everyone that listens to the podcast is receiving the precepts in a certain way. So, yeah, I really got, I really touched that there. I really want to keep transmitting that feeling here because uh, it was so palpable at that ceremony. We have Magda on Zoom. Oh, hi Magda. Thank you for your Dharma talk. It made me realize that I need to be in person more often. I need the Sangha. Oh, oh and Hokan's on. Sorry, I had to say, but Magda, yes. Uh, uh, you're always welcome. Of course, right? It's great. And I, I just have to say, I didn't realize Hokan was on. There's our uh, generous bodhisattva that helped us all really touch these precepts again last night. So thank you very much for your practice, Hokan. It's great to see you this morning. Yeah, hello. Yeah, um, I have almost a ritual that is happening when I when I do come into clouds, and that is I come off at 35, and our homeless population has increased so dramatically in the Twin Cities in the last five years, and there's always a man standing there, and I shop, 
um, and I give them $20. And um, I've had many people say, don't give homeless people money. They're just drug addicts. They'll just see that they're drugs. But twice now, I've given money, and um, it's such a lovely interaction. I wish them well. And two guys have said, oh, I'm going to go have a meal now. And one guy was like, last month I had a cheesesteak. I went and had potatoes and cheesesteak. And it was the best meal I've had in a month. Thank you so much. You're the lady that gave me $20. And today, um, a guy, he said, thank you so much. I'm going to go have breakfast now. I'm going to have hot dogs and I'm going to buy myself some soda. um, So it's a small gift for both of us. (laughs) And it seems to happen when I'm on the way to the clouds because so many people are standing there looking for money. So I really appreciated when you said it's a small gift for both of us. So it's like that. You know, you could feel when you're in that place, right? So thank you for sharing that and inspiring all of us. It's really nice. And we don't know what the consequence of even a small action can be. We don't know. Well, anyone on Zoom before we wrap it up? Oh, yes. I just have a quick... Yeah, no, that we have time. I just, you know... I just wanted to say thank you. This was a wonderful talk. And for those of us who have been to copy, this was like the refresher class. <laughs> and I wish you would do it once a year. <laughs> so, uh, actually, we do. So, Sons asked us as speakers to, I don't know, once or twice a year to talk about the precepts specifically because... It is a refresher. And I will also remind people once a month, we do a ceremony where we uh, go through the precept ceremony again together to kind of help keep us fresh. But you can just like read them to yourself too, you know. It's good. And the um, verse of formless repentance and the, um, the verse of formless repentance and the, um, Three refuges, we say a lot, like every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, you can come and say those, So, and Wednesday night, I think. So there's lots of opportunities that we try to you know, help remember. Even listening to Martha, I think about, I know for me, like, uh, sometimes on my way to or from clouds, even that, I feel a little more generous, like if someone's, right, I think, oh, I could stop, I could say hello. So, so yeah, we try to water that. We have Tycon on Zoom with his hand yes. raised. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just kind of surprised uh, that this actually does change you, for me anyway. That trying to, that over time, some of the, the rancor and unhappiness uh, and the orneriness <laughs> And it leaves me a little bit more uh, to be uh, less of a jerk, as, as Ty said. That's a wonderful comment. Thank you. Uh, um, like I said at the end of my talk, it's a joy 
to practice mm -hmm. in this way. It truly is, isn't it? It really is. Thank you, Miyoshin, for heart. This is our equivalent of the hook. Thank you so much. <laughs>